DJ PK and the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David Locke is back with us once again. David, good morning. Good morning, David James, Patrick Kinahan. My goodness gracious, how do I get so lucky to start off the end of the week with you guys every week? Well, more than 25 years ago, you hired me, so that kind of started the process. And then, you know, it's kind of evolved yeah, since I wasn't, then. I wasn't smart enough to do that with the talent one. <laughs> nice. A little late to the party, but, you know, you figured it out eventually. We are curious as we sit here and look for things in jazz games to interest us because what everyone wants to look for is victories and uh, playoff seeding and postseason wins, and that's the fun stuff to talk about. Uh, but that's not where this team is headed, not since the, the trade deadline. They've lost seven out of eight. But you are paid to be there and to be interested and be involved and not check out. So what things do you look for in this that entertain you, that are at least building blocks going forward that, uh, you know, theoretically one day could matter a lot and you could look back and say, oh, at the end of the 24 season, they weren't winning, but I saw X, Y, Z, whatever. Oh, I mean, I think there's a lot. Like there's, you know, we still have, what, 20% of the season left. Um, Maybe even more, 25 almost. So I don't think you can just dismiss um, the games and so from, you know, from a Lowry marketing standpoint, uh, we're putting him at the nail at the top of the free throw line and giving him more ISO opportunities for him to develop that skill and learn how to do that to the next step in his development and how he's going to be able to do that. Um, I think it's important, um, very, very important. Like, you know, if he adds that, it changes him from a top 25 player to a top 15 player in the NBA. You know, I think Taylor Hendricks in five games has guarded Victor Webinyama, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Brandon Miller, and last night, Paulo Boncaro. And I'm missing one in the middle there. Um, you know, those are vastly different players that you have to deal with. So he's he's getting a real tutorial right now on, you know, what what it, what is it to guard, you know, to be an elite defender in the NBA, which is what you know, Jazz really hope he's going to be. Um, I think... And I think he's learning everything from like, oh, where does my athletic skill work and where does it not work? And that's probably really important. Um, and then Keontae, I thought last night was a really important game. And Jalen Suggs is probably as tough as anyone in the NBA of getting up in on you, um, defending, picking you up where he does, relentlessly kind of bothering you. And early you saw Keontae kind of a little bit undone by it and then learned how to, deal with his night went on. I think the Spanish would buy assists in one turnover or something of that nature. That's really, that's really fabulous. So, you know, on those young players, I think you're seeing that. And, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not entirely sure what, what you learn out of Jordan Clarkson at this point in his career. He's pretty well known. He's continues to evolve and become a different player, which is great. Um, Colin's having a, just a fabulous year. So you just kind of continue on that. So I think individually there's just a ton. And then I think if you can keep effort, high like they did last night in the midst of losing that's pretty impressive do you think that we're approaching time or is it time to get Hendricks an opportunity to close games I have to think about what our rotation is who are you sitting just sorry Clarkson not, so what would we uh, Hendricks instead of Clarkson yeah um, I mean, Jordan's really an interesting discussion right now, right? I mean, he's just a major part of our ecosystem, major part of our team, major part of our culture, and just having a miserable year. Like, it's just no other way to say it, right? Like, and it's, 
trending trending less. You know, it's not trending as though he's getting out of his miserable year. It's trending that the year is continuing. Um, I think last time I checked, the only guard in the NBA that's having kind of this level of inefficiency is Jordan Poole in Washington. Um, so I don't know the answer on that because there is an ecosystem and he has a role and he's, and you know he's important and kind of alluding to D, you know he's likely on the roster next year and kind of alluding to what DJ's point is like if you're not playing for you know a play a play off spot at this point as the losses pound up like are you suddenly doing damage to what you could do next year right like you know yeah. Jordan's, Jordan is an important piece of this ecosystem so. I think there's probably some level of you're better off letting him try to play through it and see if he can solve it than you are kind of humiliating him in some fashion. I want to go back to your your point about marketing. You know, top 25, top 15. I, uh, I hear discussions about, you know, he needs to shoot more. And I get why people look at the box scores and look at the shots. But he also needs to shoot more of the right kind of shots but can the Jazz really be successful? Would they be more successful? Would it set them up in the long run if they learned to treat their best player like a volume shooter? Because that's not really how he gets treated now, even though he's their best scorer. But that's not what he is. Hence like, the question. <laughs> can that yeah, evolve? So. It's not what he is. Is it what he could be or should be? Or no, well, he's I just... Think that's what you're tr- so... You know, I, if we go back, if we look at, like, Paula Boncaro last night, right, who's their volume scorer, and they turn the game over to him, and then Jalen Suggs made a bunch of plays. But, like, if we we can't really just go give Lowry the ball in the left block the same way Orlando did to Boncaro. That's just not – I don't think that's where – I don't think he's – I don't think he's there yet. Like, I don't think that's his um, – I mean, he's not very good at that yet. Like that's what, that's what I'm talking about. Him trying to develop is is that. So the discussion of getting Lowry more shots is that Lowry needs to become better at making more or self being able to have more self created offense. How do you do that? You catch the ball. At the, he did it a few times last night. There was, there was a play last night where he caught the ball at the nail, swung through, immediately drove with the left hand, a right hand, got, got himself to his right hand, instead of where the defense wanted him, which was left hand, and he drew two free throws. Like, so that's basically a shot attempt. That's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's learning how to play out of the block. He, you know, if you think back to the Warrior game, he catches the ball a bunch of times they try to iso him, and the Warriors are just up in on him, and he's off balance, and he's not owning his space, and it's fruitless. Well, on that play, he catches, he makes the first movement, he's aggressive, he now owns his space, and then he proceeded to go. He also, you know, if you catch and just swing through hard at the first minute, well, now you've probably got your defender backing up a little bit, you've created some space, and now you, you can go to work. I mean, think about Jokic. Jokic catches, and the first thing he does is swing through, right? Or clears a front pivot foot. And now suddenly he has... You know, suddenly now he has a has a position on the court and is in control.
I'm intrigued by Keontae George. There's the never-ending discussion, and, uh, you know, PK loves to try to spin me like a top. We talk about point guards. There aren't point guards anymore. Well, there are. There's still six-foot guys who initiate the offense, but they are expected, yeah, and they do. They're, they're they, not six feet tall. They're they're okay, they're six. They're, they're six two. They are. They yeah, are. They are shorter than most of the guys on the court. They are going to shoot ten to fifteen times a game, maybe more, depending on who they are. But they still need to average the assists. And I think when you have the better guards and the better teams, they do play with an eye towards I'm going to score. But they also play with an eye towards how am I going to get assists and get easy shots for my guys. And Markinen could really benefit by playing with a veteran point guard who had that and could help get him a few more easy shots right now. And obviously the Jazz are bringing George along. And I thought the game in Orlando where he has 12 shots and nine assists, I mean, he's proven that he can get you five, six assists a game. To have a nine-assist game, I wonder how much of that is just in the moment and in the night and it happened and how much is he's processing the game like, I'm going to get a shot in this situation and this possession. I see what coach called and I know I can help get Lowry an easy shot. How much of that do you think he's processing and how much of it is stuff that's happening around him and the stat line is going to look game different night to night? I think it's probably the latter at this point because that's just a really big ask for him to like mm-hmm. to, to play a game and see a game in that fashion. Like I think last night what was happening was that Suggs was up on him so tight and he eventually had to break, he had to beat Suggs. And then when you beat Suggs, you suddenly have to make a decision if you're shooting or if, the, and if you beat Suggs, then the defense is adapting and then you're, you're making plays. Um, so I do think he saw the game well. Um, you know, is he specifically trying to go to Lowry and get him a look? I mean, we, I'm not entirely sure how that happened. I, some of these things, maybe I'm, you know, splitting hairs here, but some of these things I do feel like are, are somewhat talked about by us in the media that are not as, like, applicable in real life as we think they are. So, you know, we call a pin down for Lowry on the right side. So JC goes to set a pick for Lowry, and Keontae's job is to give him the ball. Like, is, like, can get some ball. Like, you know, the play is called for Lowry, go give him the ball. Um, but if they top block it or they switch it and they make in and there's a then you know then Lowry's not available so let's say they switch it and they deny the passing lane so now Lowry goes to the post okay so now we're just if we're just trying to feed Lowry then we're not playing basketball anymore now we're just feeding Lowry in the post so we can get Lowry a shot but Lowry's not very good in the post yet like that's just one of these areas we're talking about so like I guess if we want our point guard to just go get one guy shots that's how he would do it but I don't I don't know necessarily that that's actually how this game is played. Like, you know, if you're running cross screen to Carl and the old rules and Carl gets the ball on the block because he's big and he's playing in the post, that's what he's doing. But this idea that the point guard somehow is, you know, I think there's there's a level you've got to execute at the key moment of the game. Like, I think that's what Keontae's got to learn is, like, time and score and things of that nature. And Will talks about his voice. You know, he needs to be talking to the team and organizing the team and setting up things. And I think those things are really important. I'm not, I'm like the biggest Lowry fan, but I think we're trying to turn him into someone he's just not. And that's why I do think the last games of the year are important for Lowry. I don't know that he, you know, plays all of them, but I do think they're important. And I think that 
you know, um, there, there's a level here where if we go into the league and, you know, like Lowry's just not, we got what, 10 guys that are averaging 28, 27 a game. Like their game is just not Lowry's. If you go look at Peyton Curry, Booker, Brunson, Durant, Donovan, Giannis, Shea, Doncic, and Embiid, which I think are the top 10 scorers in the NBA, but there's just not a lot. Like, that's just, like, those guys are all playing off the bounce. Those guys are all physically more imposing. Um, but among most of them, they're just playing off the bounce, right? Like, Lowry just doesn't play off the bounce. Do you think the Jazz are at the point now when they make deals that the primary return won't be simply draft picks? So I really expected in the trade deadline that they were going to do both simultaneously. So I thought they would get better, get a get a piece, and then I thought that they would trade Simone Fontecchio, Kelly Olynyk, and I was like the Ojai Bosch thing makes sense, but I was a little surprised, like you know. When the year started, I wouldn't guess that as it got closer. I kind of got it that, that was going to happen. Um, but I don't think that the there weren't that, that player wasn't moved, right? Um, don't think. Um, yeah, I, I mean, who was the like PJ Washington was moved? That's not going to move the meter a great deal. Gordon Hayward was moved. That's not going to move our meter. It's not moving Oklahoma cities. So that piece, so yes, I, I suspect that in the next iteration of player movement, which is the offseason, that players that actually move the meter, I mean, we go back, I think OG Ananobi would probably be the one player, or maybe Pascal Siakam that was moved, that were really, you know, could move your meter and make you better. Siakam's a funky fit for us. Um, and OG Ananobi, they wanted current players. We just didn't have anything that could match that deal. Um, and I don't know how much we were in on those. Um, but on the trade deadline specifically, that player just didn't move, right? DeJounte Murray didn't move, whatever next player didn't move. Um, so, you know, there's, you can't do anything with those players. Alone. Now, in the offseason, I certainly suspect those players are going to move. So, yeah, I think you'll see the Jazz next iteration of moves be something that they're adding talent. I also could see them, you know, playing around for – with, you know, draft picks and players and doing some things to, but I, yeah, I think that the next, my next guess, because I think that's what the market will do. Like you can still only play the game. It's, you know, you, Hey, by the way, we're ready. The rest of you now have to change your plan. That doesn't really work. Like that's the difficulty here. By the way, just so you have it, cause we are talking about Lowry's in the 56 percentile on post-ups and he's in the 67th percentile isolation, which is, better than he used to be, but he is shooting 38% on isolation shots. The Lakers and Warriors seem to be picking up speed. They've got the celebrity names. They've got the history. Are they really going to be factors in the postseason this year? Do you believe in one or both of them? So, yes. First of all, I actually think this is the conversation that none of us have really had, but maybe you guys have haven't listened to every show. I should be fair. Like, I understand it's super frustrating right now to lose one of the last six or seven, seven or eight. I get it. It's frustrating. It's way more fun to, like, be in. But did we really think we were going to be, like, did we really think that our team was going to be better than the Lakers and the Warriors down the stretch? Not if they play like this. If Anthony Davis leans over, grabs his foot, and limps to the locker room for the rest of the season, yes. 
but you don't control that part so of it. Then, right. So then we are banking on attempt seed, right? So then we, that's what we're playing for is an injury and attempt seed. I think you were, I think you were spot on. You said on our show a couple of weeks ago when all the trades went down, you said best case scenario, if everything lined up, the Jazz were going to play seven postseason games, two playing games and a five game opening round series. And that was the yeah, best. Yeah. They might've played one. They might have just played one and been right. done. Yeah, I think that was that's the likely case scenario. Um, well, the likely case scenario was actually that we battled and got the 11th pick. Didn't get into the play and, and gave Oklahoma City the 11th pick. I think that was the likely case scenario if we didn't do anything. Nonetheless, um, yes, here's why. Um, and this would be what would terrify me if I'm Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver, or the Clippers. Um, so the Warriors, if you go back even to their championship year, they started that year like, I can't remember, like 20 and 4, something crazy, right? And they're really a 500 team since then. That's kind of now they're playing a little better, one eight of 10, one um, six straight road games, I think. But they're just a 500 team. Okay, but guess what in the playoffs they have to be? One better than a 500 team. Right, like that's the funny thing here when you're talking about the Lakers and Warriors, which over an 82-game schedule are tired and aged, and at times look horrendous. And every time you think they're about to, they're not capable of doing what Minnesota, Oklahoma City are doing right now. They they can't go dominate for 82 nights. They just don't have that in them anymore. Steph's old, LeBron's old, AD's inconsistent, Clay's decrepit. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could not believe. I can't believe Clay Thompson's playing in the NBA when I watched him warm up. Like, his legs don't work anymore. The guile and guts he must have to be able to go out there every night is just so awesome. Okay, with that said, if Golden State is playing in a playoff series, they just have to beat you every other night. Like, that's all they have to do now. Like, it's hard, and they'll probably wear out. So can they do that for 16? Probably not. But in... Half Sacramento, right? Steph goes and has one of the historic games of all time in Game 7, and they advance the second round. And the Lakers last year, I didn't think they were very good. But, you know, they won their first round series because they can win four out of seven. Then they beat the Warriors because they won four out of seven, and Denver is better than they were. And it wasn't actually a close series. But I do, And I think Denver is better than all of them still today. But I do think that, like, yeah, LeBron, like we saw against the Clippers just the other night, LeBron goes and is going to win you two games. Anthony Davis wins you a game. You win one other. Like, oh, you just want a series. I don't know that Steph, like the Warriors would be the one I think are a little, can Steph really go win you four games? Because that's kind of what it feels like he has to do for you at this point. Um, you know, they're really good defensively. Maybe Draymond bothers someone enough to, to get a game. But, oh, yeah, I think they're a real threat in the playoffs just because you don't have to, in a funny way, like you don't have to be, I mean, as good is not the right way to say it, but I think you're getting what I'm saying. But they, yep. like, I just wouldn't want to have to beat them four out of seven times, which is totally different than beating them on well, – I think both of them could lose in the playing game. Like, absolutely, because that's back to just one game, one night. How's your body? David, we got to run. we got Pablo Mastroni coming up next, RSL head coach on the other side of this break. We appreciate it, David. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you. Talk to you soon, guys.